<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Donald Trump's not the only one in Washington. We're here. We're uh, just six blocks away from where the uh, inaugural events will take place. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, having watched a lot of these, normally, I think all of us, a lot of us, if not all of us, feel this way. Normally, you know, this it's a peaceful transfer of power. And even if we disagree and with a new guy coming in, uh, we can feel okay about it because we can be kind of proud that this is a country that has this enormous shift in power from one administration to another, and it's all done peacefully. It's all done without a shot being fired, even if we didn't vote for the new guy. It kind of makes us proud to be an American. Uh, we know that things are going to change. We know there's going to be some differences in policies and priorities, but they're not going to change all that much, you know, it may be a rocky road. For the most part, we're still going to be moving ahead in the same direction. Not this time. Not this time. This time is really, really different because it's not just going to be some minor changes around the edges. I think this is going to be an absolute drastic remake of America, setting the clock back and destroying almost all of the gains that we have made Everything we have fought for, everything we believe in uh, over the last decades under Democratic and Republican presidents. I mean, and I, I, I'm really worried about my country. I really am worried about our place in the world. And I worry about things that I care about. Care about. I worry about women's rights. This is, this is a, a president who has disparaged women in his remarks, who has bragged about committing sexual abuse, how much fun that is because of how, how powerful it is. This is a president who will roll back the clock on a woman's right to, uh, uh, to, to control her own body. He has said that. That's one of his goals. You know, um, I worry about... This is, this, is, this is a guy who bragged about his daughter being a sex, a sex object, bragged about wouldn't he be... Wouldn't it be fun to be able to date his own daughter? I mean, yeah, what can we expect in terms of women's rights from this guy? I worry about voting rights. He doesn't believe in them. He's appointed a, a nominee for attorney general who is the arch enemy of voting rights, thinks the Voting Rights Act was what he called an intrusive act as a history of suing people when he was an attorney general in Alabama, suing people who were registering, doing nothing other than registering African-Americans to vote. What do you think is going to happen to voting rights in this country? It's going to make it harder and harder and harder for people to vote, not easier for people to vote. I worry about workers' rights. Um, again, uh, a man in his history as a big developer who has never been a friend of a labor unions, who doesn't care about working families, who thinks there should be no minimum wage whatsoever, 
uh, who doesn't realize that the health care and health insurance that workers have um, could all be lost if he does what he says he's going to do in terms of, and you know they're on their way to do it, repealing, repealing Obamacare. I worry about this planet. I worry about climate change and following a president who's done more than any other president to put this country in the lead in tackling Obama, uh, climate change rather, and global warming. This the president doesn't believe in it, thinks it's a hoax, says it's a hoax invented by the Chinese. Imagine, he's going to just start, starting with the Paris Accords, try to do, undo, and, and with the new CAFE standards and the new rules on coal-fired coal power, uh, power plants. He's going to try to do undo every single thing that President Obama did in terms of helping uh, tackle uh, climate change. And again, I mentioned Obamacare. 22 million Americans have health, health insurance for their families for the first time ever. They can afford it thanks to a federal subsidy in, in many, many, many cases. Who doesn't worry about their kid getting sick or their spouse getting sick or themselves getting sick or if they if, – if it ends up being too expensive, the insurance company can't drop them. 22 million Americans, Donald Trump, again, doesn't care, just wants to repeal the whole thing and so far has come up with no idea of how to replace it. I mean, you can go down the list of our, the Saran nuclear deal, which makes us a safer world without Iran having a nuclear, a nuclear weapon. Think about the new, new relations with Cuba and all the opportunities that that, that, that presents uh, artistic opportunities, business opportunities for American entrepreneurs, all of that, Donald Trump is going to easily reverse it all. And think about our relations with Russia. I mean, they, they are uh, perhaps the number one threat to the United States today because Vladimir Putin really wants to reassert a Russian uh, influence, already is doing so, over Eastern Europe and beyond. And Donald Trump thinks Vladimir Putin's a great leader and sort of is his is his best buddy. I mean, on every front, everywhere you look, again, I think everything we believe in um, is at stake. Uh, I don't mean to exaggerate it. I'm just telling you, I've never felt it. I've never felt this way before going into inauguration where I fear for my country. How about you? Give us your, send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Here's a, a, a staggering couple of lines from a piece that our friend Alexander Bolton from The Hill wrote yesterday. Yeah. Because the Trump administration is already talking about where they're going to cut, where they're going to reduce federal spending. <clears throat> and he says that the Departments of Commerce and Energy would see major reductions in funding with programs under their jurisdiction either being eliminated or transferred to other agencies. The Departments of Transportation, Justice, and State would also see significant cuts and program eliminations. The Corporation for Public Broadcasting would be privatized, while the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities would be eliminated entirely. That's what they're doing. I mean, this is a wrecking crew. This is not a new administration. This is a wrecking crew. And by the way, these are things that the most extreme Republicans have. That's been their wish list. Forever, right? I mean, Newt Gingrich tried to do this. They could never do it before. Now they've got Republicans in the House, Republicans in control of the Senate, and a president-elect, soon-to-be president, who will sign anything they put through, no matter how extreme. And, in fact, Donald Trump himself admitted that yesterday at that luncheon when he said, Paul Ryan's never had it so good. Because he's got all these wacky ideas, 
He's always, and now he's got somebody who will sign them. Uh, again, I don't want you to think. Uh, the, I think it's no exaggeration to say, put it that way, that this is a vital threat to America and to Americans' national security. But I want to bring in another voice. Uh, this is David Brooks, all right? He's the conservative columnist for the New York Times. Here is his column this morning, just one. He says, this is a remarkable day. We've never inaugurated anybody like Donald Trump. Here's David Brooks, not Bill Press, David Brooks, quote, we've never had a major national leader as professionally unprepared, intellectually ill-informed, morally compromised, and temperamentally unfit as the man taking the oath of office on Friday. Boy, if that doesn't sum up Donald Trump. And that's from a conservative columnist, Republican, David Brooks. Never a major national leader as unprofessionally, as professionally unprepared, intellectually ill-informed, morally compromised, and temperamentally unfit uh, as Donald Trump. By the way, we're on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, Yesterday we asked, would you be watching the inauguration? And... uh, overwhelmingly our people will not be watching the inauguration 87% of our people who voted in that uh, said that they will not watch 8% said of course they'll watch it is historic while 5% said that they haven't decided uh, we also got some comments this morning uh, would you watch Jay Lang Wood says no way I'll do anything else Margaret Colvin says it's a sad day for America feels like 9-11 all over again whoa Karen says, I've never been so sad for our country. The unknown future is so scary. And that, to me, is where she gets made. It's the unknown uh, future that we're looking at that is that should scare us. And really, one last comment from uh, Blue Jean says, well, we've known that this was coming since November. I hope we have our plans ready. It's time to defend our freedom and uh, get busy, get active. Yeah. Good thoughts, good thoughts, and thank you for those comments uh, at BP Show. Uh, send us your comments on Twitter. We love love hearing from you. And by the way, there was this feeling right after the election that, okay, the crazy guy got elected, but you know what? It's all going to calm down now. He'll point some good people around him, and it's not going to be extreme as we thought. Any, 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 that, that, any, I, any thought in that direction, throw it away. I mean, look at his cabinet. Look at his cabinet picks, right? Yeah, he says... Right, the smartest, the, the 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 greatest IQ of any cabinet in history. No, the Washington Post had it right. They've they've defined this as the worst cabinet, collectively, the worst cabinet in our lifetime in modern history. We've never seen a gang like this because what Donald Trump did, and we've seen this in case after case after case, is he looked at every department, he looked at every agency, and he said, "What is this agency all about?" Okay, now let's find somebody who is the exact opposite, who thinks that agency should be destroyed, that their mission makes no sense at all, who has fought them his or her entire career, that's the person we'll put in charge of that agency. And we see that with Jeff Sessions. We see that with Rick Perry. We see that with Scott Pruitt at EPA. You can go, we see that with Betsy DeVos at Education. Uh, it, It goes on and on and on. And by the way, it is worth pointing out, that out of 16 cabinet nominees, 13 of them are white men. 
uh, I forget how many are either generals or Goldman Sachs. I think it's three, four, maybe as many as six, which are Goldman Sachs people. As Claire McCaskill, Senator Claire McCaskill says, it's the 3G cabinet, generals, Goldman Sachs, and gazillionaires like Steve Mnuchin, uh, who just simply forgets, forgets uh, to talk about $100 million. Uh, And um, Donald, and for the first time uh, in 30 years, there is... First time since Ronald Reagan, there is not one Latino in the cabinet. But, of course, I think Donald Trump did that deliberately because, you know, it would be just one more headache to have to deport that yeah. Lord Latino once, once he uh, rounds them all up and deports them, mm-hmm. which was part of his plan. Anyhow, sad day. Sad day for this country. Uh, a day uh, we've all been dreading, but it is here. Joining us here to talk about what we can expect today and the early days of the uh, um, Obama, there I am, the Trump administration, Niall Stanage, who uh, is, uh, what the hell is your title with the Hill? Well, it's about to change, given that the the great moment has has arrived. I'm about to be a White House columnist. Uh, for the Hill. Oh, is that right? Yes. White House. That's ex- that's an exclusive, actually, because yeah. we haven't said that uh, publicly, okay. but I'm to write a reported column about the Trump presidency. My title up until yesterday was associate editor. Okay, associate editor. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, whatever your hat, hat you're wearing. Uh, speaking of hats, by the way, I'm ready for the inauguration. <laughs> I have my... <laughs> I have my pea hat. You've heard of the pea hats, right? It coordinates very well with your sweater vest, I must say. Anyhow, I won't put it. This is for the march on Washington, actually. Uh, the Women's March in Washington on on Saturday. Um, so it is um, uh, about, again, just short of four hours before uh, the actual swearing in uh, of the president, uh, the new next president of the United States. But it is... 50 minutes from the biggest uh, moment of today, which is at DuPont Circle, where free pot, free joints are going to be handed out uh, in celebration of the uh, inauguration. And so why are we here? Why aren't we in line? Jamie reported there are already hundreds of people in line at DuPont Circle to get their free joint. They're giving out donuts. So for those of you that have already smoked and uh, have the munchies, you you have donuts to eat before you get high again. It's a good Friday morning. Weed and donuts. Weed and donuts, right. Yeah, and is it a Trump protest or is it more a pro pro pot thing or just it's a free joint? I think. <laughs> Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, man. I mean, let's not try to. <laughs> They're handing out free weed. The Californian <laughs> speaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Let's not try to make this any more complicated than it is <laughs> at face value. But and the plan is um, that in terms of like protest mm. is that at four minutes and twenty seconds into the new president's inaugural address, mm-hmm. everybody will light up the joint okay. to, in celebration of 420. That's so it's kind of a collective joint in a way, in that sense, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's the plan. And I don't know whether they plan to do this light up all at DuPont Circle or... Don't what? do it on the mall. I wouldn't do it on no, the mall. No, don't do it on the mall. That's, you, you, you could get in trouble for that. Right. Uh, but uh, now we've never seen an inaugural like this, uh, have we? 
We, we really haven't. I was. We were talking before uh, coming on about uh, 2009, President Obama's first inaugural, which was a massive event. Uh, 1.8 million people. Yeah, extraordinary. I mean, I, I don't expect to ever see a crowd that size for the rest of my life. Um, but also the atmosphere was so radically different to how it is today and how it has been uh, the past couple of days here in um DC, as I'm sure you have noticed, the the atmosphere just around town is very subdued. It seems to me, yeah, yeah. Um, very sort of quiet. Um, there will be obviously a, a large crowd for Mr. Trump's inauguration, but nothing I expect of the scale that we saw in 2009 or 2013. And and the protest uh, tomorrow might well uh, outstrip, I suspect, the inauguration in terms of the crowd. That's sizes. what the uh, the. the Police force, the D.C. police are saying that they there could be a larger crowd at the Women's March than mm. at the inaugural today. Um, I hope that happens just because it's going to that would drive him insane. Yeah, mm. completely uh, insane. The weather is also supposed to be beautiful on Saturday and it's supposed to rain today um, and a 70 percent chance of rain by 11 o'clock. Make of that what you will. Uh, exactly. God is punishing <laughs> all of us. <laughs> um and in terms of uh, it's a peaceful transition of power, but this is this is more than just a change of party, one party taking over from another party running the government. I mean, this is looks appears that it will be a radical, radical transformation. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think if if we were to wind the clock back four years and Mitt Romney had beaten Barack Obama or, or this year if Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush had, had won the yeah, presidency. Right. You know, liberals and progressives would obviously not be happy about that, but I don't think there would be the air of, of uh, incipient crisis that, that we have at the moment or simply the fear that people have that they really don't know what's <laughs> coming next, that we are, uh, to use the cliche, cliche in, in uncharted waters. So The Hill, you are reporting today, for example, that there are some uh, – we can expect Donald Trump to really carry through with some of the promises that he and ex extreme conservative Republicans have been making for a long time in terms of actually cutting deep cuts in some agencies and maybe eliminating uh, others. Tell yeah, us about it. Yes, that's right. There, uh, My colleague Alex Bolton reported on this, which is a plan that would – ultimately cut uh, the budget by about $10 trillion over 10 years. The way to accomplish that uh, would be, for example, to uh, privatize perhaps the uh, Commission for Public Broadcasting to... Uh, that's a, That's been a favorite uh, conservative Republican goal for decades. For a right? long time, because yeah. they, oh, yeah. they consider it, a, I think, a, a redoubt of liberalism and, and all those sort of things that they... Um, Dislike the so-called Sesame Street uh, right. crisis, right? Right. Yeah, that, issue. That's yeah. right. Uh, the the National Endowment uh, for the Arts could be eliminated uh, entirely. entirely. The National Endowment for Humanities could be eliminated entirely. Um, this stems from a blueprint that uh, appears to be drawn up or have been drawn up by the Heritage Foundation, which is of course a mm -hmm. very conservative uh, think tank. So I think the story overall goes to the idea that however uh, unpredictable and unorthodox Donald Trump is in, in some ways, we expect at least some of his policies to come from that world of um, sort of doctrinaire conservatism, really, and uh, <coughs> this budget being part of that. Um, 
but do we really know? Isaac Devere, a great mm -hmm. reporter for Politico, has a piece this morning also where he says that the biggest feeling of in Washington these days is like there's a total unknown. Mm -hmm. That's you it. Know? Yeah. We, That's it. We, That's we, the feeling. We really don't know, mm -hmm. like, if the Republicans try to do some really, really extreme stuff, whether Donald mm -hmm. Trump will even go along with it. Right. We don't. I mean, if you look at just the, the biggest domestic issue of the moment is, is health care. Now, Donald Trump yeah. has said yeah. that he will somehow create a scenario <laughs> where there's insurance for everybody. To say that that's not the standard Republican plan would be putting things mildly. Um, you know, that's just not. And he also says we'll never, never repeal Obamacare mm -hmm. uh, unless we replace it right. at the same time. Right. Simultaneously. Right. Right. Which is totally different from what Paul Ryan and mm -hmm. and Tom Price and others are saying, which is, well, we'll repeal it now and then we'll replace it when we get around to it. Almost. Right. Some years down the line. Yeah, or whenever they come up with a plan. So so we don't know whether Trump will go along with what the Congress wants. But we also don't know whether Congress will go along with some of the stuff that Trump says. Mm -hmm. Again, we don't even know whether Trump is going to say the same things once he's in office. But, for example, uh, infrastructure, right? I mean, he said he wants to spend billions of dollars creating jobs. But Republicans have rejected that every time Barack mm -hmm. Obama tried to do it. Will they go along with Donald Trump? Mm-hmm. We again, we we simply don't know. A lot will depend on the specifics of the plan. And Donald Trump has won the presidency, uh, largely avoiding specifics for much of the time. Whether that yeah. be infrastructure, the the wall on the southern border, various other issues. Well, the, speaking about the wall, what if, okay, hmm. what if if uh, it's unimaginable? But if Barack Obama had come to the Congress and said, "We're going to we have to secure the border." We have to build a wall on the on the on the southern border, and and I need the money to build that wall. But don't worry, because down the road I'll get Mexico to reimburse us. If Obama had come to the Congress with that plan, he'd be laughed out of Congress. Absolutely. absolutely. And by the way, rightfully so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, do you think there's a case? Do you think Republicans are actually going to put the money up front to build Donald Trump's wall? I suspect that they're not. No, I wouldn't put a lot of money on it yeah. either way. Yeah. But there is in the Republican Party a, a genuine uh, fiscal conservative wing. Now, Donald Trump is Well, they used populist. to be. <laughs> well, well we, I, I mean, we'll see where the party I think is. there still is, but yeah. I just wonder if they'll stick to it. Right. And, and the other uh, point in that respect, you know, you drew the parallel with Obama. Many people thought there were things that, that Republicans opposed because... Barack Obama proposed them. Now, does that oh. then flip? Are there things that they wouldn't support under normal circumstances that they will support because <coughs> President Trump, as he is about to be, does propose them? Is is have have the sort of party um, polarizations grown that deep? Yeah, this is the thing that we were talking about a little bit off air about sort of how you cover Trump. Mm. And <clears throat> to get back to the unknown thing, there's there's sort of a couple different ways this could go because Trump has proven himself to be fairly liberal on a couple of social issues if you look at his life before he ran for president. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the agenda of a super right-wing majority right. who's going to try and control him. And to me, the first real glimmer or glimpse of what that's going to look like was uh, the story uh, that your colleague Alex Bolton wrote about all of the spending that they're going to cut. They're mm -hmm. going to slash spending for a lot of different departments. They're going to do away with the uh, National Endowment for the Arts. They're going to privatize the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which is a very, very, very right-wing mm. uh, 
uh, ideology. Right. Yeah. So clearly they've gotten to Trump on that sense. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be the struggle, I think, is not so much what Trump is going to do, because we are looking into an unknown abyss, and there's yeah. no, absolutely no way that we could possibly figure out what he's going to do. Right. But the real struggle is going to be Trump versus <laughs> his own party. Yeah, and, and, and Trump is a populist, you yeah. know, and, and so he likes to align himself with what he believes the, the popular will or the popular fervor to be. That's not quite what Republicans in Congress believe. I mean, they believe a different thing. They're not a particularly populist party. And so when when his impulse, I think, uh, bashes up against their more uh, rigid ideological beliefs, that could be problematic. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Neil King, uh, formerly with the Wall Street Journal, has been through many, many, many inaugurations. Uh, and is here to <laughs> hey, 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 man. Join us. <laughs> the Nixon in my inauguration was amazing. Remember that? <laughs> that was incredible. No, I don't, actually. <laughs> really incredible. Hello, Neil. Good to see you. Good morning. Uh, and also a friend, a neighbor on uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, I want to get into all the uh, what, uh, your reflections on the day, but Peter's got some. We have breaking news here on the. Uh, well, here's the deal. On the I, Bill I th- Press show. I thought this was really interesting because uh, uh, Donald Trump is going to take the oath of office. He's going to use the Lincoln. Just about ready to leave Blair House, by the way. Oh, nice. All right. Uh, to to the uh, church ceremony this morning at St. John's. So he's going to be using the Lincoln Bible. Uh, for his inauguration. I didn't know this. New York Times has a whole thing on the the sort of the history of the Lincoln Bible because Barack Obama also used it. There's going to be a conservationist on hand in case it rains. Because if it rains, I mean, we're talking about something that's a very important piece of American history. With a little, little tiny umbrella? Well, they they actually have constructed a box. Ah. It's like a plastic box. So as soon as the rain hits, the Bible will get put into the box, covered up, but if it does get any kind of water damage at all, the conservation is ready to whisk it away back to the Library of Congress. They have someone who's going to fix whatever damage was done to it. But they, they're taking it very, very seriously. It's, it's uh, high security for the Lincoln Bible. Uh, I think it is a very dangerous omen if the, Donald Trump's first act as president is to wreck the Lincoln Bible. <laughs> that would be bad. Well, he's evidently sleeping in the Lincoln bedroom tonight, oh, is the word. Tonight? Yeah, Not in the presidential bedroom? That, that's that's what my sources say. Uh, and he's not sleeping in the Trump International Hotel? Uh, no. Uh, you know, he, the word is he's not going to sleep a lot in the White House in the first yeah, place. Right, so yeah, right. this may be a rare moment tonight. Uh, I think it was significant that his first stop in Washington as president-elect when he came in yesterday went right from uh, National Airport to the Trump International Hotel. Uh, yeah. I thought it was significant and indicative, right? I mean... Yeah, I, everyone keeps waiting for everything to change. Yeah, it's like, will he give uh, an inaugural address that will live in history? That will right? change the yeah. tone and and change everything. <laughs> He's been be inclusive, and he might. 
But I don't think there's people keep waiting for uh, something to change in terms of how he approaches governing, how he approaches American no, people. No, I mean, even no, his no. event yesterday was, you know, uh, greetings to the forgotten. I mean, he's very much speaking just to his people, and mm-hmm. and his approval ratings indicate that it's about his people who are st- who are with him right now. All right, so Neil, I want to go back with you if we can. To um, the Nixon inauguration. The Nixon inauguration, right. <laughs> it was a sunny day. Uh, I think the day was June 15, 2015, right? Wasn't right. It? Or 2016, when, 15, when Donald Trump came down the yes, escalator. exactly, right. At Trump Tower uh, in New York. Could, it, it, it's like impossible to believe that we went from there to here. You know, this I is mean, a, what a wild ride it's been. Yeah, this and is an unbelievable a, ride. A tiny little stupid story, but I was watching that speech he gave, and people were widely ridiculing him on Twitter. Remember, he paid people to come in the lobby yeah. to be paid to build a crowd. Right, and I, I watched it. and I thought I had a brilliant insight that was going way out on on a ledge. Where I tweeted, "Donald Trump will lead in at least one national poll by September," and I, and then I like hit send, and I thought. Oh my God, that's so risky to say that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I, I'm right that he led in every national poll on the Republican side, like starting a week or two later, and yeah. never didn't lead in a poll, basically. But think um, about how wrong we've been, right? I mean, at the time, we all said, well, this is such a joke, right? This is an embarrassment. But don't worry, because he'll never file his papers, because he'll, he's never going to do what he has to do to actually become a candidate. And he did become a candidate. Look, and then, yeah. uh, no, he'll never last through the first debate. It'll be He'll be laughed off the stage, right, kind of the whole thing. Look at this lineup of 16 people running against him. I mean, every step of the way. Yeah, I mean, we have to at least on this day acknowledge that this man on election night itself turned himself into a major American historical figure, like one of the – not – Greatest necessarily, no, but one right. of the most important, most consequential people of of the last century in American life, where he has gone from being a publicity hound, a, a <coughs> successful, we think, businessman, reality star, one of the best known people in the country, and against every possible odds, in the most crazy election that we've ever seen, became the president of the United States. He's about to become the president of the United States. That's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, and, and at our paper, it took weeks for us to agree to even really cover him in earnest. Because people, there were editors that this were is like... The, wait, wait, I'm going to point out, again, this is the Wall Street Journal you're yeah. talking about. And there was an in, in-house debate, as there was, I think, at a lot of publications. Were we going to do it? like, Or were we going to fall for his thing? Which, which, as you say, everyone thought was just a pump product. One of the first funny... Um, no, it was actually a New Yorker thing that they did that was a joke that was one of these like uh, sort of satire things with him and his campaign person saying, is my campaign dead yet? You know, I did this. I, I went out and savaged John McCain. Do people still like me? Yes, yeah. they do. They like you even more. I mean, every crazy thing he did along the way, his numbers went up right. somehow. And, and it was. And you remember, uh, we, we, we uh, talked to him a, lot, him a lot about that. The Huffington Post refused to... Right. They they would only cover Donald Trump on their entertainment well, page. Well, they had the whole disclaimer at the end of every yeah. story that yeah. you know he was a misogynist and a bigot, and and which they've removed. Um, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. But so I don't know. So ma- was it his celebrityhood that got him there? I mean, it certainly was not his 
policy ideas. Well, look, he started where most, for the most part in American politics at that level, you have to run in order to run again because you have to run the first yeah, time to build right. your name recognition yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and get your network out there and stuff. <laughs> this is a person who ran with 100% name recognition, which we all thought or a lot of people thought would, would be his demise in its own right because of what he was. And then he was able to turn that into this thing that appealed to people. I mean, I haven't seen, it's funny, I've been around town a lot in the last 24 hours, particularly yesterday. I haven't been around that much this morning, but I saw a few of his followers coming to town. One guy I saw walking down the street pushing a shopping cart. He was also selling, you know, um, memorabilia and things like that. But um, <laughs> it, his, so he had a big shirt on that said, it's our turn now. You know, so this, it was a whole group of people who, the forgotten, as he calls them, and he appealed to the, to a set of people that have been hard to reach. I'll tell you something that I that I think about a lot since Trump won is uh, when I was a kid. This is probably twenty five years ago. Uh, I came to Washington D.C. with my parents. Right, my parents were very conservative, re- hardcore Republicans, and we took a tour of the Capitol. And I remember my, one thing that sticks with me is my dad was looking at all all, all the sort of pageantry around the government here, and he said, "This is just so much." so much waste they're spending too much of our money and this was like 25 years ago and trump sort of embodies that whole thing of the government is wasting our money the government is a waste of time the government is screwing us over and so this is like it's been building for a long long time and donald trump just happens to be God's perfect idiot to carry that message. Yeah. He's the perfect vessel for that message that really has been out there for a long, long time in a lot of areas that we might not necessarily see here. Yeah, though he may be making government larger still. Yeah. I was at uh, the president's last news conference on, um, I'm speaking still about our president, Obama. By the way, he, uh, now he's to be called President Obama, but he, even now he's not to be called the president. That's what, okay. that, that's what I'd was heard. That, was that right? Okay. <laughs> but, sorry. I was there at the news conference and thinking a lot about, and he was asked about this. I'm going to ask you, so what do you think Barack Obama's role is going to be now? Is he... Is he going to be able to? To uh, he might want to stay on the sidelines. Is he going to be able to stay on the sidelines? I don't know, and I think it's a fascinating question because, for one, as we all know, he's going to be living like two blocks, sorry, two miles from the White House, but in, yeah. and no president barely in, two miles yeah, right. in recent times is or yeah. at all. Right. I think Eisenhower went and lived out near Gettysburg. That was Woodrow concerned. Wilson was the last one. Okay, and he was barely alive, right? I mean, or he was not in good health, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, he says he wants to be still and find his sort of inner equilibrium. Not that he, I think he kind of knows where that is, but uh, he's going to work on his book. He'll do. He's already said that he's going to go out with Eric Holder and work on this redistricting kind of anti-gerrymandering campaign, which yeah. is a diff- very worthy project, very difficult. Uh, um, will he be like an occasional commentator or a person who will uh, take shots occasionally at um, Obama? I don't know. It. I. Uh, Trump, of course. I mean, it's a Trump. Yeah. At Trump. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, um, you know, in 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 response to that question uh, from, uh, I forget who asked that question. Maybe it was Christie Parsons. Um, at at the news conference, he he said, if there were things that really he felt compromised right. our core values, right. otherwise he'd like to stand like George W. Bush did. To his credit, I think stayed on the sidelines, unlike Dick Cheney. But, but Obama indicated there are some things that if, if he really, like the Dreamers, he was talking about the Dreamers. Right. Yeah. So it was a reporter from some Spanish TV station asking a question. 
that he would feel compelled to, to stand up and say, no, this, this just goes too far. Well, there's an interesting pattern. It's interesting to see where he feels that Donald Trump crosses the lines. It's, you know. A Muslim ban on Muslims. Yeah. Obama would have to speak yeah, out about right. that, right? I mean, we've had this pattern going back um, certainly to George H.W. Bush where Republican presidents, and it was the case with Reagan, too. He was a little bit different case, but have basically retired, gone back to their place, and been and played golf and rode horses or whatever. But they been were in, a lot older, too. Right, but they were incredibly low-key yeah, about it, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and then, but even, I mean, Jimmy Carter wasn't exactly the youngest person in, in the pond when he came out, but he, you know, did the Habitat for Humanity. He's done a lot of things. In some ways, his post-presidency has, well, I wouldn't say been more common, but, you know, he's been a very great, I think he's been a, quite a decent I think, he's, a I think better, he's the blueprint. No, I think yeah, he's a no, better, he's the ex, blueprint. better yeah, that, ex-president okay. than president. That's what I was sure. going to say, yeah. yeah and and he is, uh, I, I'm sure you spent time with him, he's a fantastic person to talk with because he's a de- deeply humane person who does a lot of good things. Um, Bill Clinton, I mean, people quibble or more than quibble, they hate the Clinton Foundation, but he has certainly remained active during that time. Um, and during the campaigns has been you know, a formidable force. I have a feeling uh, Obama is going to be a little bit more like Clinton in that regard. I don't know whether he's going to create a foundation or do something like that per se, but he, you know, he already has some things that are under underway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's a young, spry person by all measures, and he's going to be a force for a long time. Right. Um, I'm, I'm still, you know, I think a lot of us were just blown away by the person that blew me away last year more than anyone was Michelle Obama. I think she was the most extraordinary out of nowhere force. She, yeah. And, you know, but I also think it's pretty clear that she, that was a one-time thing and, and we're not going to see some reemergence of, of Michelle Obama. Uh, it, to me, it is so um, maybe striking, uh, maybe it's too strong a word, but ever with Joe Biden's plans for yeah. today. I know. Uh, he will no longer be vice president as of just a few minutes before noon. And as soon as the ceremony is over, he and Jill are going a couple blocks over to Union Station and going to hop on an Amtrak train, take the train home to Wilmington, Delaware. That's Joe, right? Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Love him. Love him. I know. It's funny. Talk about a guy ending on a high note. Um, yeah. Whatever yeah. the kind of built-up residual affection and love there is for that guy. And there's a lot that is cross-partisan lines. You saw it when the Medal of Freedom uh, came about and there was a lot of people oh, commenting or oh, tweeting yeah. or whatever. He's preserved that this that kind of credibility and that and he, there's something just unusual and special about Joe Biden. So, you know, it's interesting. Joe Biden's too. redefined the role of vice president. No, he has. And he's, he was a great vice president. Mike Pence will also great redefine Biden. the role of vice president. But, but Joe Biden really did show uh, how effective a good uh, communicative vice president with some experience could could be. You know, how often you hear, it is kind of bizarre, I think, that you, how often you hear Mike Pence has talked about as though he really is a president in waiting and not in the, sh- oh, yeah. in the long term. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There are a lot of people who think he might be president before 2020. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, today's a day we feared, and rightfully so, because today is no normal transfer of power from the leader of one party to the leader of another with a little different priorities, a little different policies, perhaps, but still going roughly in the same direction. No, no, no. I mean, like, for example, from Clinton to Bush or from even Bush to Obama. No, 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 no. This one is different. This time, we go from a man who takes his job seriously, 
who studies the issues thoroughly, who makes his decisions very, very carefully to a man who has no idea what he's doing and is totally unfit and unqualified to be president of the United States. This time, a majority of Americans are not just disappointed. This time, a majority of Americans are afraid, afraid for our country, afraid that all the progress we've made in so many areas will all be wiped out by an ignorant carnival barker who somehow managed to wreck his way into the Oval Office. Workers' rights, voting rights, women's rights, LGBT rights, environmental protection, economic security, jobs, health care, climate change. Donald Trump doesn't care about any of it. Donald Trump could wipe it all out. Yes, sadly, today Donald Trump takes the oath of office. God save the republic. This is the Bill Press Show. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.